Welcome back to Soulback. This is the RB Podcast. Kyle here back with Ed. Ed, where is Tom? What up? <laughs> where is Tom? So for those who don't know, who may have checked out the very controversial Instagram battle between Babyface and Teddy Riley. For those who don't know, Tom was actually one of Teddy Riley's backup dancers the other night. So my man twisted his ankle and he's sitting home laid up. Working on his ankle and trying to work out old Teddy sound issues. <laughs> Calm down. We'll talk about Teddy in a sec. What actually happened, I think, was uh, Tank and Tom did an interview last week. Like I said, they would. And they made up. And uh, they're cool again. Tank said that he doesn't hold grudges. So, Ed, as a Tank representative, I'm asking you, as a Tank representative, to you, the uh-huh. people, Ed. Do you hold grudges against Tank at this point, or is everything under the bridge? I never had, let me clarify, so I'm glad that you brought this up. I never had a grudge, per se, against Tank. My issue was, again, that continues to be overlooked, is that the man was continuing to attack other artists, other people, and contradict himself. So, as you know, I am on this podcast to speak for those who don't have a voice, and I'm not going to let somebody run roughshod and just keep changing up the narrative when clearly you were messing up. And again, but since I know everybody's cool, those comments were of E.T. Bowser of Twitter. The now activated Twitter, which has been down for a week. wonder if Darrell has something to do with that. But anyway, everything is cool. There is no beef. We are adults. This is not third grade. But if somebody talks out of line, I'm going to be like... I'm calling you out. So it's all good. Just don't talk out of line again. Fair enough. So, Ed, we have a lot to talk about in R&B this week. Tom's not here, so we don't really have a trivia set up, but let's go with one trivia that uh, we'll we'll just go with one question, and let's see if you get this one. Cool. For a million dollars here, Ed, and some masks and toilet paper. Uh, a million dollars? Ma- well, actually, massive <laughs> toilet paper is probably more than a million dollars in today's world. And this is true. But, Ed, the question is, who is my favorite artist? Your favorite artist? Oh, my gosh. Of all time? I have definite... I have theories. There are a couple I can choose from. This is I'm true, going to but... say, I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to say Mario. You know what? You might be right on that. So you get your million dollars. But let me rephrase the question now because I don't think that was what I intended to ask you anyway. Okay. Who is, of all my favorite artists, Ed, who has the uh-huh. best Instagram page? Oh my god. All you had to do was clarify it with that. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we're talking about Miss Ashanti Douglas. You got that right. And Ed, first of all, we got a couple of things to talk about here and highlight. Uh, Over the last two weeks, I've interviewed everyone from Jonte Austin to B. Cox to everyone you can think of in R&B. And I made sure... With the help of the Ashanti stands, I made sure to ask B. Cox and Jonte about their experience working with Ashanti 
and Ed. Mm-hmm. Word got back to Ashanti. Ashanti watched those interviews. I don't know if she watched the whole thing because those were like an hour apiece. But she posted the clip where they were talking about her. And she posted it on her Instagram story. And there I was on the other half of that interview. <laughs> and there I was. And Ed, this is the closest I'll get to being with Ashanti. I mean, I did meet her once, but aside from that, this is the closest during this quarantine time that I will be to getting next to Ashanti. Ed, I'm on Wait, her story. Let, oh my God. Let me clarify this issue for those who may be listening in. Because when you hit us with the news that Ashanti had you on her IG... You were losing your mind. You would have thought you just won a raffle for free toilet paper for life. You were that hype. And I saw it, and I was like, look at my boy. He has finally arrived. He has landed Ashanti's Instagram. Next thing he knows, he thinks he's going to be laid up on her in one of those bikini shots on her IG page. We ain't got there yet, but who knows? A man can dream, Ed, but... (laughs) <laughs> hey man, we're working on an Ashanti interview now. Stay tuned. We might get one. We might not. Oh my! If we, if you get hey. an Ashanti interview, I can't. I will no longer be able to speak to you because you will be too big time for me. That's what my girlfriend says too. She was like, "Once you interview Ashanti, don't get lost in the fame. Remember where you started." I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. Oh my gosh, once you interview her, she's going to be saying, don't forget where you come from, because she's going to try to remember to remind you who you're going home to. You're going to be singing Tony, Love Should Have Brought You Home last night. <laughs> but anyway, Ed, speaking of Ashanti, she's on a new record with Baby and Megan Thee Stallion. Whoa. Not necessarily two people that you would expect to work with Ashanti. Let me ask you first, Ed, of these three on the song who is the star of the show is it ashanti no the star of the show is the baby of the i listened to the record not long before we hopped on this little recording because as usual i've been completely out of the loop so i've been catching up it's definitely the baby's song and make sure your grandma's in bed before you play this one because like the first couple of lines i'm like my god this what we gonna talk about we just gonna talk about all the booty and all the cheeks Okay, so the baby definitely does his thing. Ashanti does her Ashanti thing. She doesn't sound terrible. I'm giving you girl props. She sounds very fine, so good for her. The notes are somewhat in place. We good, we good. Megan does what Megan does. I'm sure it'll be a hit because everybody's just doing their thing. And they sampled Baby by Ashanti. Ed, is that a classic right there? Player, you can get the classic end of my hand if you ask me if that song's a classic. Come on, that was one of the most creative hooks in R&B history. Creative? All you gotta do, let me find one word and repeat it 74 times over and over again, and let's have a classic record. <laughs> and, and and y'all get nostalgic for 2004 and 5. These are the reasons why I'm like, uh... Those nostalgia the goggles or something else. <laughs> I love it, Ed. Well, shout out to Ashanti. I think she was on Instagram Live yesterday playing some new music as well. So we might be on the lookout uh, for new Ashanti music. I know you're excited about that one. But I know while you be. wait for that, Ed. Oh, you know it. We'll be talking about that for an hour. But, Ed, while we wait on that, um, another fine female with a pretty awesome Instagram page dropped a new record, Coffee, by Kelly Rowland. 
Ed, yes. can we talk about the visual first, or do you want to talk about the song? Because I can go <laughs> days on days in about the visual. I bet you could go all day about the visual. So again, I just watched this video pretty recently, and I realized that I had been hearing this song all week because my wife had been playing this song, and I didn't really know what it was. I just heard bits and pieces of it. So when I watched the video, I'm like, oh, this is that song she's been playing. So clearly she's a fan of it. And... Visuals aside, because I'm sure you're going to talk all day about that. There were some interesting shots, if you know what I'm saying. But I thought the song was pretty okay. It certainly wasn't an immediate standout like some of her other kind of more well-known motivation type hits. But for what it was, it was serviceable. And I know for you, the visuals sell this package. The visuals definitely sell the package, but what makes me mad, Ed... And I feel like I'm repeating myself week after week. The song is two minutes long. You're right. And honestly, it's getting to the point, oddly enough, that these two and three minute songs or two and a half minute songs are becoming such the norm. I didn't even realize this one was that short. And I'll tell you what the issue is for me with this song. I think the song is... I mean, it's okay. It's two minutes. I mean, what can you really expect? Yeah, uh, and, and her 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 last album, "Talk a Good Game," was a great album. Um, her EP that she dropped last year was also very solid. I don't I don't know if you remember that so. one, but she had like a I do. She had like a three song EP. Had a couple of solid records. Don't you worry. I think that was in our countdown. But Ed, to me, this song because when a song comes out, it's like the A and R in me. I try to figure out how the video is gonna look like. I try to figure out what they're going to do when they sing this song live. I can't see how mm-hmm. she's going to sing this live. Just like how the song is structured. And it's almost like that singing rap thing that everyone does now. And being that it's two minutes long. By the time she even gets into the groove of the song live, it's going to be over. That's But see, again, you're thinking of it in a mentality of an A&R, if you want to put it like that. An A&R of the 90s or 2000s. I have learned in this era of, and you know, I have been very critical of your girl Summer Walker. Hit me up on E.T. Bowser for more comments on Summer, because I can go all day. But when it comes to her and her performances, quote unquote, big quotation marks around performances there, and her extremely abbreviated songs, I've noticed that younger fans just don't care, because to them... That's how they have started to live in this world of super short songs that when songs are longer and are drawn out, unless there's like something with a completely different beat change, they're kind of like don't have the patience to sit through it. So to them, the songs that we know that are four minutes and five minutes are like well-structured storytelling devices, they ain't feeling it because they aren't used to it. So even though we say, how is this going to be a video? and How is she going to perform this song? I don't think that things have straight up that way. Everything these days are straight up for, is it going to stream? Is it going to be something that's going to get repeat streams? And if you look at it like that, coffee kind of fits those molds. So that's Kelly rolling for you. I think um, once the album comes out, we'll get a better idea. Kelly's actually put out a lot of solid music throughout her career as a solo artist. So I really have no doubt that that will continue. But man, Ed, two-minute songs, I don't know if I can deal with it. 
It's not my favorite either. And but again, to your point, I think Kelly is very underrated in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, even to this day, I think that her f- career is unfairly compared to her very famous friends. So no matter what she does, it's going to be like, well, it's not as good as or it's not as well known as. And that's kind of been the mark against her. But she's had solid stuff across the board. I have no doubt that her album will be at least solid as well. Yep. Um, another new record that came out, Sammy. Uh, he's set to drop his new album, Such As Life, later this year, which he has claimed is a 90s R&B type of album. And, and I had a chance to interview him about that. And I was asking him, you know, what makes him think that this album sounds like the 90s? Because we've been tricked by that one too many times. And yes, what he Lord. talked about was just the the resurgence of storytelling that will come from his album. And it's true. There's not a lot of storytelling going on. Not at all. Again, I just mentioned it earlier. Songs are not long enough to tell a story. It's all about having a repetitive, catchy hook and a repetitive, catchy beat. Everything else is window dressing around all of that. So I would love to see a return to songs that actually have meaning. And and there, I still think there's a market for it. There are lots of younger people who are rediscovering, or well, for the first time, discovering music from the 90s and early 2000s. And they're like, oh, this stuff is so good. And they're reciting the lyrics and can recite whole songs because there's a story to actually attach to. It's not just some beat that's da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. I made it sound like the Adams family, but you know what I'm saying. It's just something that's repetitive, whereas opposed to back then when there was a whole story to be told that connects and people can relate to the lyrics and the songs and whatever. If I think there's a market for it, so if Sammy's down, I'm down. And the one cool thing that Sammy did say in my interview with him, he gave us a shout out and was like, um, he recognizes that we're very critical of people that claim that they're bringing R&B back or bringing 90s R&B back. And he realizes this, so he knows he has to step it up and deliver. So it's good to know an artist is aware of what we bring to the table. And an artist is aware that like, hey, it's on me to do this. And if I don't do it, I know I'm going to get called out. That again, going back to what I was mentioning earlier about you know who. There's nothing wrong with holding artists accountable when they say they're going to do something. That's all we do here. Mm-hmm. Ed, didn't you know who also take down your Twitter account last week? I think so. So for those who are listening to the wonderful Soulback podcast who have spent the last week trying to hit me up. Last, I think it was Saturday was the last day we recorded. I remember the last thing I did on Twitter and Tom can... He can verify this. I think you guys mentioned that you had put up a list of A. Marie's best songs, 10 best songs, something like that. And I went to your Twitter to check it out. And that was like the last thing I did. Then I got a notification that said something like your account has been like it's fraudulent. or so I can't even remember what it is. So there was some fraud thing attached to my account and it said my account had been locked. So I need to change my password. So I said, okay, cool. I've done this a million times. I hit the button to reset my password. It takes me back to the same screen that tells me to reset my password. So I'm on this loop of reset your password, reset your password. But I'm not actually able to reset my password. So I have been emailing Twitter for a week trying to get an actual human to tell me why their system was jacked up. 
And shout out to a friend of mine who was on, who actually has some connections on Twitter, who poked some folks and made it happen. So for a week, I've been out of the game. I'm just finally replying to everybody's tweets now. I'm not dead, y'all. Folks were like, "Where are you?" I'm here, but I don't know. I think the the triple threat of El Varner, Tank, and Nicki Minaj finally got together and were like, "We taking this dude out once and for all." <laughs> During the quarantine session, I love it. Um, now, Sammy's new song, like I mentioned, is called Friend Zone. And on this song, Ed, which I think is a dope song, but on this song, he declares his love for his best friend. Ed, does that ever work in real life? Can you give me the love letters on this one? Play, I was going to say, this sounds like a love letters episode. Well, let me just give you the short version of that, because I think it can work. But the problem with the friend zone thing is that there is unrealistic expectations. Some One person sees one person as a friend. The other person sees them as more than a friend. The communication is never clear because no one wants to step on the friend thing. So then it goes unsaid and then you've got two people living two separate romantic lives. And that's why the friend zone stuff don't really work. It has to be two people coming together being like, yo, just want to know if something's up. If it's not cool, if it is, you know, let's see what's good. But no one ever says anything until it's too late. And then it's all types of drama. Actually, since we're on the topic, shout out to my wife and go check us out on Facebook at Party of Two. Because our next episode will actually be talking about this stuff. Look at you, Kyle, with the low-key plug. <laughs> there you go. So... Shout out to Sammy. We can't wait for the album. And Ed, I've got another R&B trivia for you here. I told you we only had one, but we actually have two. All right, hit me. So, do you remember the group Soul for Real? Of course. Candy Rain. Mm -hmm. Great album. Great single. Um, That single is a classic. Huge still to this day. But the trivia for here is, can you name all the members of Soul for Real? Aren't they all brothers? No. Oh my gosh. Um, yes, but I definitely cannot name all of them, but I do name some, know some of them. So shout out my boy Jace. He is kind of like the the known voice of the group. Then it's Dre. Yep. Then there's Chris, and I only know that because my brother's name Chris. That's and, about it. I know there's more I think, though. But I can't. I think there's a there's a Brian as well, and I think that okay that, that's the group. Brian's the other one. I was close. So, that was horrible. That was pretty good. Uh, Soul for Real is back, Ed. They have a new single out. The single "Love on Me." Ed, what can Soul for Real bring to the game in 2020? Listen, I might be a little biased with this one because Jace is the homie and I know he's been working hard for for a few years to try to get some projects off of the ground. But Soul For Real is one of those groups that is remembered in the 90s for having like one or two big songs. But there was so much talent. To me, there was so much meat left on the bone with them. And there was a lot of time for them to kind of come back and deliver a little bit more. And this era of nostalgia and wanting to hear kind of voices from our childhood or voices from our parents' childhood coming back to have a name established. I think it's cool that if they can deliver some solid R&B that has a little bit of a modern twist with some of that old school, so to speak, sensibilities tied to it, and they already have a name attached, I think it's worth a shot. 
they already come into a lot of, unfortunately for new artists coming into this very, very crowded marketplace, half the battle is getting people to pay attention to you. But Soul For Real has a name. So if you hear that Soul For Real has a song out, you might at least give it a shot. Because everybody remembers Candy Rain and the other roller skating jams they had. So every little thing I do still bangs. Candy Rain still bangs. Let me see if this new song bangs. So it's an opportunity for them to get their foot in the door because of their legacy. It's just on them to be able to keep that foot there. And I think it's, it's always worth a shot. I'm rooting for them. So does this new record bang? Love on me. Uh, it's not bad. Again, it's it's a record that you can tell is kind of a mix of both worlds. They're trying to do something a little bit trendier, but it's not completely auto-tuned into the ground or anything like that. Kind of a balance on both worlds. I thought it was all right for what it was. Well, Ed, let me ask you this. This is another R&B group from the 90s that uh, I kind of feel should be bigger or should have been bigger than they were. Uh, mm-hmm. Lachelle loves this group. The group intro debut yes. album is amazing, but why do you think they never took off in the way that Boys to Men or Jodeci did? They were great. Kenny Green is obviously great. Wrote a lot of hits for Mary back in the day, but like, why didn't that group take off? That is one of the big mysteries of R and B. Why didn't they take off? Because if you look at them, they had the hit. Come inside was a hit, the top ten hit. They had the hits. They had the incredible cover of. Um, Stevie song, which even Stevie himself is like, man, y'all nailed my joint. So they had the talent. They had the incredible songwriting. To me, I think what messed them up is it was just such a crowded marketplace. We're talking 93, 94, 95. Look at, if you go back and look at the albums that dropped, we're talking legendary albums, not fake classics that come out today. Oh, the baby and Ashanti got a song called Baby. It's a classic now. Oh, no. We're talking real classics that were dropping weekly at some points. They were great, but I just think that it was so much classic material surrounding them, they couldn't break out. Now, if they came out later in the decade, maybe early 2000s, maybe even like late 80s, they may have had more time to breathe and kind of get their name out there because the talent was there. I just think it was just too many hits. Too many guys diverting attention away from them, but they should have been big. No question. And then the record, Funny How Time Flies. Woo. Oh, and that, yes. That's a straight up 1995 joint. That reminds me of high school right there. I forgot about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Kelly Price had also dropped a new record here. You love Kelly Price. Debut was still one of your Aunt favorites Kelly. of all time. Kelly Price, yes. new record. Uh, what do you think of the song? I love it. I actually love that the even the cover of the album, if you go to Spotify, Tidal, whatever you do to get your streaming on, the cover even harkens back to her original single. But that's Kelly Price Stan talking right there. I like it, but I have seen some mixed reviews online, and I get it. Because she is very, very, very rooted in her gospel roots here. It's just, it's a straight up gospel song. That's what it is. And I know that some of that heavy, as Tom would say, a little too much church for me, a little too churchy for me. It is quite churchy. So that can be a turnoff to some folks. But I thought it was incredible. Yet another incredible vocal showcase. And shout out to my boy, George Littleton, because we were talking 
earlier this week over on Facebook since my Twitter was I was in Twitter jail. We were talking on Facebook about how he thought that Jasmine Sullivan would be the Aretha Franklin of her generation, kind of like the Aretha Franklin of the 2010s. I always said that I thought that Kelly should be the Aretha Franklin of the 2000s. She was that good. And this record continues to prove me right. It's true. Kelly Price, one of the best vocalists in the game. The record, What I Need, is out now. So check that out. Ed, are you ready for some hot, rapid uh, questions? Some, some hot, burning questions? Some hot, burning questions? Hit me with them. Which sing which album that came out in two thousand is better? Carl Thomas Emotional the Debut or My Name is Joe? I'm gonna go with my gut. Some of y'all are gonna be mad, but I'm gonna go with my gut because you gotta go with your gut. And to me, no question, Carl Thomas. Ooh. Yep. It's close. Ed. Oh, it's it's not I'm not Ed. saying that it's a runaway, but Oh. Let me let me look at this Joe album, because Table for Two is on that album. It I Want to Know, which is one of the greatest R&B records, is on that album. It Ooh, is, I don't although know I am five, a little tired of it. 563. Let's get oh, comfortable. I, love Ooh, five, I don't six, know, Ed. Mm, somebody got to be say, on top. Oh. Did we say One Life Stand? Because that needs to be in the combo. That has to be there, but... Man, Carl Thomas's album from top to bottom. I th I think you might have this one because when I think back to that Carl Thomas album, man, and I think he just did like a live Instagram concert the other day. But I I think I'm with you. I think the debut from Carl Thomas is better. No question. And the reason why I'd say that is, and not that you didn't name some great album cuts because you did. Carl Thomas is so much more than I wish and emotional. And to me, I wish is one of the weaker songs on the album. Because you got Giving You All My Love, Come To Me, Cold Cold World. Yep. Um, what's the, the joint? L Lady Lay Your Body. Come on now. like These are album cuts that are nailing yep. and knocking out most of anything we've heard in 2020 out of the box. I think it's incredible. And you know what's funny about this is, um, so I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. And usually on mm -hmm. Wikipedia, they'll give like the reviews or show the reviews of other outlets that have you know done given the ratings for these albums and um carl thomas emotional rolling stones when it came out gave it a 3.5 and all music gave it a 2 out of 5 well see this is why and i have talked to some people off air about this i need to figure out how to get soul and stereo in that little review scores box because Every once in a while, for some reason, my reviews will like show up somewhere in a wiki, but never in that little box. Because I feel like that box does not always correctly represent the genre. Rolling Stone is not an R&B outlet. All music, sometimes, because it depends, it's kind of just a big outlet. Sometimes they have good reviewers, sometimes they don't. But a lot of times, those scores aren't reflective of the actual audiences who are listening to it. There's no way in the world this album gets a three and a half. No. This is a four and a half, maybe a four. So I wish that we could have more voices there that actually reflect R&B outlets that will actually ride for this album. Three and a half. Two? Who 
gave this album a two. Stop it. <laughs> All music did, but um, Ed, because of this outbreak, and maybe this will change the score system and the reviewers, a lot of writers were let go by Billboard and Vibe over the last week, I think just due to financial constraints. That sucks, Ed, mm-hmm. that these writers have to it's, get let go. It's trash, and unfortunately, again, you know, I come from the journalism industry. I know it very, very well. So many of my friends have been let go and cut back and just decimated over the past decade, not even now. And definitely when these hard times hit, writers and editors are the first thing to go. So shout out to anybody who has kind of hit some hard times these days. I know businesses are making some very unfortunate and regretful cuts and some great talent that's being lost. But the good thing about social media is that you can always find a voice out here. So if you like to write, if you like to write about music, if you have an opinion you want to share, doesn't matter what an artist thinks about your opinion. Your opinion is valuable. Get out here and share it, man. Do your thing. You'll find an audience. What about if their opinion sucks? Oh, now, we've talked before about the sucky opinions. You can keep those to yourself. (laughs) All right, Ed, I've got another uh, hot-burning question for you here. Brandy, as you know, is set to drop her new single with Chance the Rapper, the song Baby Mama. That's the title of the song. It's pretty much just celebrating single mothers and baby mamas out there. Pretty cool mm-hmm. record. Um, when you get a chance to check it out, I'll, uh, I'll keep you in the loop. Um, the The song is produced by Hip Boy, features Chance, like I said. And I got into a conversation with somebody. Uh, I've heard the song. I don't think the person who I was talking to has heard the song. I think it was a Brandy stand that believes that if they market this song correctly, it could be bigger than Put It Down, the record that Brandy had with Chris Brown back in 2012 i guess i'm old but here's my question um so a couple of factors we have to look at here chances on the song who is probably one of the most recognizable artists of this generation currently but chris brown at the time was also very big and then i think why i don't believe it'll be as big as put it down a couple of reasons i think one because brandy's on an independent now but i think secondly um chances fan base isn't aligned with Brandy's, whereas I think maybe there is some similarity between what Chris Brown was doing and Brandy, and and, and you know to me that's R&B in, in in its totality. And then thirdly, and I think this is kind of interesting, Baby Mama. That topic I don't think will speak to an entire demographic of people. I think it only speaks to a certain group of people. Man, look at that. I didn't have to say a word. I think I agree with every single thing you said. We need to bring Tom out here so I can have somebody to argue with. Because I think you <laughs> nailed everything. I mean, I agree. It's First of all, it's unwise to compare 2012 or whatever year it was to 2020. Good Lord, we at least had toilet paper back then. We can't even leave the house in 2020. You can't compare it. Two different worlds. Two different climates. Two different generations. So, number one, it's going to be hard to make that comparison. Number two, you are exactly right when it comes to audiences. You know, our boy Tom loves to fuss about artists should only collaborate with artists of their generation. Blah, blah, blah. Brandy should only do songs with JT Money. Like, stop. JT Money? Wow. I I will give him credit here. I do think that sometimes that 
we try to combine artists and the audiences don't mesh. Chance the Rapper's audience is an audience I know very, very well. Chance's audience don't give a crap about Brandy, as terrible as it sounds. Now, the whole strategy is to bring in that younger audience who will come listen to Brandy and that way be like, oh, this is a hot song, and then elevate that song. So that is the goal. That is why we're doing this. Will it work? I don't know because it has been proven in recent years that it doesn't really work like you would think. Back in the day, there was some kind of crossover appeal there. It's going to be hard. It's harder to do that because the way that the market is, audiences want what they want. And you can curate, curate and kind of create your own playlist. So if you want a Chance record, there are tools out there that can allow you to snatch Chance off the whole Brandy project. As weird as it sounds. So I think that there's not as much collaboration. Audiences aren't used to the collaboration that we are. So I don't know if this whole strategy is going to work. Because like I said, at the end of the day, they don't really care about Brandy because that's a different generation for them. So that's kind of weird. I don't know. And again, the baby mama thing is not going to really resonate with that generation so much as our generation because our generation is having kids that generation might be having some random babies maybe but they aren't going to be celebrating baby mama so to speak as we would it's a weird collabo from a business sense i get where they're going just not sure how it's going to work but you know it's all in the music if the song bangs then it bangs and we can go from there yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the song when it actually comes out, and as a reader's know or a listener's know, Ed hasn't heard the song yet, so, you know, his opinion is just based on what I've given to him, but right. here's something that uh, I want to discuss with you here. I sometimes hang around these Twitter streets, and I really want to get a feel to what people are thinking, especially when it comes to their favorite artists. Ed, what would you tell Brandy fans that are still expecting it to be 2001? Like, I read a couple of comments where... People are hoping that Brandy puts out at least four singles with four music videos. And there's this huge promo run that she's going to do. And that the single Baby Mama is going to be number 20 or so on the Billboard Hot 100. Is this realistic at this point? Or are they? is this wishful thinking? Well, please. I think somebody's still living in... This is not 2004. This is not going to be on the 106 in part countdown. This is not how life works anymore. Unfortunately, because... Again, like we just said, this is a whole different era. We don't see these eras anymore where, I mean, look at Never Say Never. How many singles dropped from that thing? Like half the album was a single. We don't see yep. that anymore. You get maybe one single. If you are lucky, you get visuals for two. I think Mariah's Caution album, what, maybe had two videos? And that's yep. like insane these days. So... That, I think that it's, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment if we're trying to expect things to be like it was in 2004. It's not going to happen. T- 2004 wasn't going to work in 2014, let alone 2020, the land of no toilet paper. So that ain't going to happen. What all I want is a strong project that hopefully will resonate with her core audience and new listeners. That's all I want. So what I would like is a project that bangs that the call that she will actually be willing to promote. Because, again, some of this is on the artists. Artists can't 
sit back anymore and expect stuff to blow when they do nothing. You got to put in some legwork. So I hope that this project is great. I hope that fans continue to help push this project out. I hope that newer fans who like Chance or whoever can get in and hear some of these songs and be like, oh, they're great, and push those out. Maybe we can have a song like LMA that just kind of just caught fire and resonated with the music fan base across boards, and we move that across. That's the best case scenario. The best case scenario is not hoping for 1998 and 17 singles to drop off of this. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and like for me, when Usher dropped his record with LMA, I think that was a clear sign that times have changed. Like to me, Usher did it better than anyone. He got LMA, who is probably arguably the biggest female R&B act right now. B. Cox and Jeremy and Dupree, that was his original sound, which captures his core audience. You bring in new artists, and right now the song is it's moving on the charts, but it's not instant. Not like 2004 Usher. So I think for Brandy fans out there, I think we got to lower those expectations or maybe have those expectations targeted towards quality as opposed to chart success because it is a different time now. Exactly. I think we get coke. And I understand why we get caught up in chart success when you see Drake drop some whack, hokey pokey sounding song that is immediately number one. And it's not really that great, nor does it resonate with anybody. It's just, oh, this is a catchy, stupid song. And we see it rocket to the top of the charts. So we're like, okay, we want our fave to finally come back and rocket to the top of the charts too. But you can't compare. It is an apples and orange poison kind of perception. Like you can't compare those two things because they're completely opposite. So what you got to do is look at it as simply, let's get a good project out of Brandy, and then hopefully we can help her push it forward. And you know our site, you know my site, between Soul and Stereo, between You Know I Got Soul and between Soulback, if this joint is hot, we will do our best to get the word out about it. So that's what we're here for, the good music. That is indeed what we're here for, Ed. Um, we've got a couple of play of pleases here. Um, some might take longer than others. Some actually aren't even play of oh, pleases, boy. but just something to mention. Uh, can we talk about? Let's talk about Ticketmaster for one. Can we talk about Ticketmaster, Ed? Yes, we can because I have some fussing to do about Ticketmaster. But go ahead. So as you know, because of this outbreak that's going on, um, a lot of tours and concerts and, uh, are being canceled. And Ed, I read a headline that says that we shouldn't expect concerts probably until 2021 during the fall as, as earliest. First of all, if we have to wait like a year for concerts to happen, that's insane. And I don't know how artists are going to survive during this time. I don't either. I was talking to someone over on Facebook, the Soul and Stereo Cypher. Come join us if you haven't over on Facebook.com, the only place on Facebook that don't suck. And we talked about how, again, it's a perception thing. We just talked earlier about how music is different than it was in 2004 and 98 and whatever else. A lot of these artists, their bread and butter is touring. It's not dropping an album because y'all ain't buying. When was the last album y'all bought? Just be real. You haven't. You let's do it on Spotify. People don't buy albums. Their money comes from touring. If there's no tour, how are they going to eat? 
I'm very concerned about this, and I know many artists are. And to your point, if so, if we are kind of going to be stopping public gatherings for the next year or so, I don't know. I can't really speak on that. But it's going to be some weird times and rough for these artists who depend on these tours and these gates to make ends meet. Listen, Ed, if I have to go to Walmart next week and I find genuine stocking the toilet paper, I might just lose it. Well, I'll ask my wife. She has Genuine's phone number, as she has told me a hundred thousand times. Wow, we need that. <laughs> we'll we'll talk. All right. <laughs> um, so, speaking of Ticketmaster, then because all of these tours are being canceled, obviously, them as well as the promoters, Live Nation, have to look into rescheduling these events to a later date. Now, this is not the first time a tour or a show has been canceled. There's always reasons for that. An artist may get sick. Um, they might be pushing back their album, so they got to push back their tour. So the rescheduling part is not new, but I guess what's new to people is the uncertainty of when these shows are going to happen. And if health, um, health experts are saying we won't be seeing a show until next year, obviously... For us consumers, we want our money back, we want the refund, and when the tour happens again next year, we'll go back and we'll purchase tickets again. From a promoter standpoint, obviously they want to hang on to that money because they're in a crisis right now as well, because they're honestly not making any money. So Ed, Ticketmaster recently updated their policy and said, we're not giving out refunds, just hang on tight as we reschedule these dates. And people got pissed on Twitter. As they should have gotten pissed. Um, I was very looking, I was looking greatly to a show, I think it was going to be a couple weeks ago. I think No, it was, it was late March that we were going to have this show. It's going to be Brian McKnight, it's going to be 112, Drew Hill, Jagged Edge, I can't remember the name of it, some R&B super show that was headed here. I was so excited. Then Rona reared her raggedy, ugly head. And there was no show. And it took forever, but I was refunded the money. I understand Ticketmaster's point. And actually, I found I was one of the last refunds. Because right after that is when they were like, no more refunds. I understand Ticketmaster's point. They're not trying to give away all their money. They're trying to keep the lights on. However, there's a big difference between paying for something that's going to get postponed and you know when it's coming and you pay for something and it's like, well, we might do it and we don't know. And No, that's not fair. You don't pay for a maybe. If you paid for something and it didn't happen and it's not going to happen, give me my money back. If I pay for something and it's going to be moved to May the 19th, okay, cool. If I pay for something and it's like, well, we might do it in 2021, maybe if the world is still around, give me my money. You're not... You can't pay for a service that you may or may not get. I don't. I understand it from a business standpoint. It's shady and it's trash. But everybody has a right to be completely pissed off if you pay for something that theoretically, as of right now, is not going to happen. You pay for a maybe. So I actually bought tickets to um, Alicia Keys. I don't, actually don't know if her tour is still happening. I don't think it's been officially canceled, but... Alicia, I hope you're happy with... Actually, I don't even know if Alicia has the money. Um, it might be... Um, 
Ticketmaster that holds on to it or Live Nation. But Ed, do you know who owns Live Nation? Who owns Live Nation? Uh, if I remember correctly here, I believe Rock Nation has a hand in this. I don't know if they own it completely. Yeah, I know that. I don't think that they own it, but they definitely have a stake in it. I don't think that. I don't think Jay outright owns Live Nation. I'm Sorry, sure it's, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Live Nation owns Rock Nation. Okay, that makes more. To sense. some degree, but anyways, because if if Jay Z was behind all of this, I think uh, we'd have to go with our pitchforks. <laughs> I think that if he was behind this, we would heard. Way more think pieces dragging him in the mud before now. That's the thing. It's harder to drag someone in the mud when they're faceless, but then there's a face behind it. Oh, the tweets come a-flying. They sure do. Uh, Ed, another play of plays here, and I feel bad about this because I just interviewed her, and her album is Fire, Good to Know by JoJo, set to come out May 1st. But uh, mm-hmm. she uh, she got in trouble on Instagram Live recently. Uh, Whatever. I guess... She- well, she was on Instagram Live as she is every day. She talks to her fans. And what happened was she was showing off her outfit. And she was showing off her top. And then she pulled the Janet Jackson by idi- uh, by accident. Oh, no. I can't believe I didn't hear about this. Live on Instagram. Uh, there were about uh, 800 people fr- in there. Which is not the end of the world. But, f- but still, <laughs> I'm I'm surprised this is the first time I heard about that. The freaks that follow me would have screenshotted and threw it in my DMs and be like, look what you missed. Like, stop giving me this criminal evidence for me to get shut down. I get shut down enough by regular Twitter. No, I did not hear about this. How bad for her? Yeah, I feel bad for her too. But, Ed, it just shows you that Instagram Live is it's kind of dangerous out here. Uh, it's very dangerous. I've talked. You go ahead. Well, I've talked about it before. Like it's it's the reason why it's live. That means there's no retakes, no reshoots. Anything can happen. And if you aren't careful, you're gonna get exposed with a quick. Well, in her case, literally exposed. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite a shame. And hopefully, it doesn't derail her album. Could it benefit her album at all? Oh my god. Sadly, it could benefit her album. I don't think it will in this case because clearly it didn't get enough traction. If it got as much traction as you would have thought, it would have at least crossed my stream somewhere. This is the first I'm hearing of it, so I don't think it really blew. But unfortunately, JoJo Gets Naked on Instagram is a juicy Twitter trend for you, so it could help sales. I I hope that it don't. Please, JoJo, let G- just let the music live. Why we don't have to do the gimmicks and the foolishness? Let the music live. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think it was an accident. I don't think she did that on purpose. Oh, I, so shout out to JoJo. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of Instagram Live, also Ed, can we um, tell people to stop driving while they're on Instagram Live? I've seen that, and I, I think I ranted about this like a week ago, but I still see it happening. Sean Garrett needs to get off the phone if he's driving. <laughs> I see it all the time. I was just um talking to one of my um, mentees before we recorded this, and he was driving, and I think we were on Zoom, and I was like, player, no, just like wait till you get where you're going. It's cool. He's like, oh, it's cool. My phone is steady. I'm like, still, no, it's cool. 
I don't want to like look up your armpit while we're talking. Just get where you're going, and then we can be good. Y'all make me nervous. And Ed, speaking of Instagram Live, this is the part where I guess everyone is waiting on. Uh, can we talk about the babyface and Teddy Riley battle that first got oh delayed by like a week God. because Teddy Riley wanted to get paid for it? I think he got shut down by Tim and Swiss, and they just said, just do it on Instagram like everyone else did. So Teddy said, okay. And then the battle was supposed to happen yesterday. I think Babyface showed up like 30 minutes late because I'm not sure if he actually knows how to use Instagram. They finally get it going. I think they get three songs in each. And the issue is that Teddy Riley's sound that was coming out of his uh, stream, it was not very clear. It was very echoey. No one knew what was going on. Teddy blamed it on Babyface. But all Babyface had were uh, a pair of headphones on him. Whereas Teddy Riley had him, his family, and his relatives all in there. And Tom, I guess, setting up his stage for an Instagram battle. <laughs> Tom and DJ Soulchild, I'm sure, both. Ed, before we get into all of this, can I just ask one thing? Is Teddy Riley do. really wrong? Is he really wrong for being creative, setting up a stage, and putting on a show? It's about creativity, isn't it? No, he's wrong. Listen, this is we're going to flash back to last week, to our last podcast. I am never one to say I told you so, but this black man told y'all so last week. The last time we discussed this whole drama with Teddy and Babyface, I said on this very podcast, the reason why Teddy's idea of I'm going to charge money and I'm going to make it production it doesn't work because that's not the format for this. The format is a legend and another legend with classic catalogs. We are getting a front row seat into their house to watch them play their hits while we all dance along. This feels like we are having an intimate one-on-one -on -one hangout with our favorites. They're just like us. They chilling in the house because everybody's chilling in the house. That's why this works. This is not... A big old concert. That's something different. That changes what this is. That's why it wasn't going to work. I said that a week or two ago. So what happens this week? He goes and tries to make it a concert. And what happens? It don't work. Because that's a whole different format. Whole different sound issues. Whole different setup. That you need to get this thing together. That's why this thing turned into the Instagram Fire Festival. Less is more, player. You got Teddy Riley sounding like Teddy Ruxpin. It was ridiculous. You spent your whole stimulus check on getting this whole backup band and all your family and all that, and we couldn't even hear you. Your boy Tyrese was up in the comments spelling like a drunk autocorrect. I don't know what was going on with him. Tony Braxton <laughs> pissed off on Twitter. It was a train wreck. And it's a shame because, again, now I have I didn't hear it because, like I said, they blocked me from Twitter. Old, old Nicki Minaj barbs or whoever it was took me off of Twitter for a week. So I missed black Twitter losing its mind over it. I've just seen the memes in the morning. But, again, we tried to do too much and took away from the simplicity of this very, very fun yet very simple concept. Keep it simple, y'all, and it would be cool. If we wanted a giant concert with a whole Riley family, 
We would have had a rally concert with the whole family. Babyface was sitting in the house with his big old shades on. That's all we wanted. I mean, we wanted him to show up on time, but other than that, that's all we wanted. Keep it simple. Well, Ed, I got to call out the people for this. Because if you remember, probably about two weeks ago, Teddy Riley had like a Blackstreet Instagram Live concert on his feed. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. I forgot about it, but I do remember that. And um, it went very well and everyone was very happy. And I forgot to mention the other thing. So Teddy wanted to do this on his app to make money. He actually still tried doing that with this babyface and Teddy Riley battle. If you clicked on his bio, you yes. could actually go to his feed. But we'll talk about that and later. And I heard that apparently that his sound sounded better than on a regular Instagram live. So that got the conspiracy theorists going crazy. But that's another combo <laughs> for another time. That is. But uh, the Blackstreet concert went well. There were a million people um, in his feed for that as well. Both the viewers as well as the actual people on stage. The production team was there. I think Tom and Soulchild were there. I think Daniel Bamber might even have been there as well. Um, just Probably. for the international fans. Uh, so not practicing social distancing as all, uh, at all. Not same at thing all. Happens, same thing happens with this baby face and Teddy Riley one. Teddy Riley has the whole crew doing their thing. None of them managed to fix the sound system, which someone needs to get. Someone needs to give me their paycheck. But Ed, how come the people call out Teddy Riley for not practicing social distancing for this occurrence, but not for the one that happened two weeks ago with Blackstreet? Because of course we don't call out social distancing when everything goes well. It's just when things go wrong that we kind of pick holes at stuff. Because you're right, I didn't hear any fussing about social distancing then. But we heard a whole bunch of fussing about it last time when it was more prominent that things were going awry. And we were just like, oh, and they aren't social distancing. Oh, and he's wearing a big old hat. Oh, and who's the guy that looks like Rick Ross in the background? So, like, we find foolishness once things starts going awry. That's a whole different issue. But, again, my issue remains the same. Him having a concert with the Blackstreet reunion, that's cool because they were set up for that. Having these two different streams going on at one time, clearly they had not done their homework. Clearly Babyface didn't know what was going on. He like he just woke up anyway. He didn't know what was up. It was just poorly planned. And it's a shame because we're talking about two legends. And before the stands come for me, don't get it confused because I've been down with Teddy Riley. He's a VA dude, of course, because all the talent comes from VA. He is one of the guys who has been very instrumental in my fandom. So by no means are we dissing his his talent or contributions to R&B. Same for Babyface. But like I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you do something crazy, old E.T. Bowser on Twitter is going to call you out for doing something crazy. You're doing too much, Teddy. Next time, and I hear there's going to be a rematch in another day or two, maybe by the time this posts, keep it simple this time, please. Well, Ed, let me ask you this now, because you just mentioned there is a rematch set to happen on Monday night. Will, because I know the initial battle that took place yesterday, I think there were over like 500,000 people tuned into that battle. Does this rescheduled match diminish the quality of what's going to happen? Do you expect the same amount of people to tune into that one? It is on a Monday And I think the hype 
for a little bit as it has at least died down do you expect it to be another 500,000 viewer type of thing absolutely not number one it's a school night people got to go to work in the morning so people are not going to be so hyped to stay up in the middle of the night to do this that's number one number two a little bit of the bloom has come off of the rose because it's like oh boy what's teddy gonna do this time We've already kind of seen it. But then there is there is a curiosity factor for some of those who did miss out on the first time. We live in a very FOMO society where the fear of being left out so or fear of missing out. So people want to be part of something. So I do think the numbers are going to be huge because people are going to want to see another train wreck so they can get their stuff retweeted and go viral. Sad that that's where we are, but we are. And then there are R&B fans who just wanted to see two of the legends go back face to face and hey, face to face. That was an album, but go head to head and be able to have this cool playlist that comes out after it. Shout out my girl, Nicolette. She was real mad. She didn't get her playlist. I think it's coming. So I think we'll see a big number, but as big. Nope. I think a lot of people are either going to be checked out or going to work the next day. Damn. Well, I'll say this, what I love about these battles, and I've come to embrace it, but for reasons that uh, probably not everyone thinks of, this is like one uh, our opportunity to ha- like have our moment, and the young people can't come in and make their jokes, because they'll probably have no idea what's going on, on when Babyface and Teddy Riley get on and do their thing. Oh yes, and this is, welcome to the land of the old heads, Kyle, because this is where I have been, where it's kind of like, yes, I have found my safe space. I can talk about music without having young and say, it's old. He's, I've never heard of him. He's washed. Blah, blah. That's why I think this was going to have such a huge crowd. There are so many people that were just so ready to celebrate the music they love. We live in this culture that just loves to demean whatever's not hot in the moment. And that's so trash to me. Like, Well, what we were going to see on Saturday night was going to be a celebration of an incredible era of R&B. It's a shame that we got a little bit off tread, off the rails with it, but let's see if round two can live up to the hype. Do you think the young folks right now are going back into Teddy Riley's discography and trying to learn all these songs before the battle? Uh, player, I seriously doubt it. I do think there'll be some <laughs> folks that'll kind of check out the battle just because, again, there will be some young people who will check it out for curiosity's sake because it's just been such a topic of conversation. Yeah, they're going to check it out, and hopefully they will get new fans. Because between those two hit makers, we're talking two or three decades worth of legit hits. Legit genre-defining hits. So I hope they do their research, because they're going to hear some hot stuff. Hopefully the Mm. sound works, so they can literally hear it this time. Right. Well, Ed, let's get into the soul backtrack of the day really quickly before we get out of here. Yes, what you got? Let's go with the Blackstreet record Booty Call. What? I forgot about that. That's a classic right there, Ed. Oh my gosh, I guess. Not one of my favorites, but definitely one of their more known records. And it comes from a classic debut album. A lot of people love this album. Soul Child, I know you're out there. Shout out to you. You're probably still listening to it like it's 1994. Oh, I'm sure he's listening to it right now. He's probably over there hooking up speakers that we speak for Teddy, getting him straight for a Monday night. <laughs> well, Ed, 
that's it for R&B. What's going on with Soul and Stereo? Yes, go check out Soul and Stereo if you haven't this week. We've been a little quiet, as I have already mentioned a million times since I was kicked off of social media. But Kyle, your girl, Lachelle, came through. And she joined me for a head-to-head with Mariah Carey as the topic. We talked about her best albums, her worst albums. We asked if she was really the greatest vocalist of her generation. And we asked if, if Glitter, the infamous Glitter, was really as bad as people said it was. Go check that out. And shout out to my man Jacob, who always comes through with the good local content. And he spotlighted seven hip-hop artists from the South here in Birmingham you should be listening to. That was a good piece that actually got a lot of attention across the South itself. So shout out to my man for doing putting in that good work. We are still up and running, even though when I was in Twitter jail, Solar Stereo was still popping. And there's that. And wait a minute. Isn't Montrez Jones trying to holla at Lachelle? I saw that on Twitter. What? I, mi- I missed this. Well, Montrez trying think- to get the digits. No, I think he wants to talk to Lachelle and talk about music. Oh, yes. First of all, see, now this is how rumors get started. I need to, <laughs> I need to be signed up for the, the grape juice or something. Get on media takeout. But anyway, no, he wanted to know if she was on social media, on Twitter, so he could talk a little bit deeper about her choices on the Mariah piece. And again, I didn't see any of this because I wasn't on Twitter until right before we started recording. So I know Lachelle comments on every one of these podcasts. If you're on Twitter, Lachelle, hit us up. You got a fan. And be nice to Montrez. He was born in like 2001. He's still a youngin'. She may or may not. It depends on her mood. Exactly. And then, Ed, on my end, we've been interviewing everyone, like I said. Most recently, I did like a two-hour interview with uh, Bob from Tim and Bob. We spoke to him. I think it was last year, Ed. We, you and I spoke to him, but yeah, he went and talked about more things. So that was cool. I think one of the cool um, things that I don't think he brought up last time was while they were working with 112, 112 actually had a female group under them and you won't believe what the group name was it was 211 what 211 yeah i've never heard of this me neither but we're gonna have to get the latest and the scoop on that from mike or slim because that's crazy to me and uh yeah so we've got a we've got a couple more interviews coming up and uh yeah we're just trying to keep r&b alive without shading any other outlets so let's just keep doing that ed (laughs) <laughs> don't have to tell me you're the guys i need to keep in line I'm trying to keep the r&b beef at a minimum around here so mm-hmm. serio's chilling we just beef with well we artists. won't say names <laughs> yeah so we go after artists that's it all right so ed that's it for this week but we're gonna leave you with one more hot burning question you don't have to explain okay. why but you're gonna give me an answer okay r&b battle who wins teddy riley or babyface I've talked about this before. If we're talking hits, babyface. If we're talking stuff to get you hype, Teddy. I'm going with face. And I was going to go with Teddy, but I don't know if they're going to if he's going to make it throughout this entire live, so I'm probably going to go with face as well. But if Teddy wins, guys, Janet Jackson tickets offer the listeners out here. You've been giving away a lot of tickets for a show that's been quarantined. 
Listen, I'll give them the tickets and let them handle the ordeal with Ticketmaster on the refunds. <laughs> Spoken like a true shady businessman. I love it. All right, Ed, we're out of here. We'll talk next week. All right, we out. Peace.